You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to Noise Direction, the punk music industry podcast for people who spend too much time on punk teach you how to spend too much time on punk. I'm your host, Matt Bacon, here with my co-host, Scotty Tankrand. Yo, what's up? Here's the thing about punk. Punk is subjective. So where a punk podcast could mean whatever the hell you want. You know what more people think? More people have opinions about what's not punk than what is punk, though, which is kind of just just kind of discouraging to to people who talk too much about punk all the time. But here we go. You can't, you know just, what else cite, I you just, can't, you can't just cite your own tweets in the intros to our podcast, Scotty. Well, that was a today's tweet. So it's like really fresh, right? Yeah. You know what I still, learned? You can't, you know, I, I spent not a little time. My tweets. I, I, I spent a little time going down like a punk meme rabbit hole or wormhole. I don't know which animal's more appropriate. Um, the other day, and I realized something that it's always been true about punk, but I think it really shines through in the memes of 2021 is that a lot for a lot of people being punk is being totally suspect of anyone else who claims to be punk and for better or worse it drives me crazy but it's very much been part of the subculture always it's just i when i was spending too much time on some punk meme pages i realized that that's that's a really strong thread of how that that whole cottage industry of extreme memes exists. <laughs> so, and today's podcast is about punk memes. Punk. Um, no, today we are talking about um, what a record label does. What does a record label do? Now, this Let's was actually find this, out. this idea was spawned off your tweet or a bacon bit where I didn't think your bit was wrong. I was just busting your balls because you, which is probably what happens all the time. You're like, I can't give every single bullet point of the subject I'm talking about in 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> which was what I replied to you. Like, Matt, you forgot this. Yeah. So, and it's like, I can't. Also, let me I, get find it. When, let I find when you have more than three points in, in a video, like you're, you're going so fast that people forget point one by the time you get to the end. Oh yeah. It's like doing this podcast when the podcast was 45 minutes and I couldn't, I, my brain was scrambled past 25. So we cut it back down. <laughs> yeah. This I, is can't what remember, I can't even remember any of my great ideas at the end to share with the world. So the point being, so, so what does a label do? Let me take, I'll, here's for me, there's two reasons. So this episode is going to be for, two things it's it can give uh people looking for a label will get game off this episode and also um labels in their first couple years uh can maybe pick up some game from this episode as where to steer the ship next once you get your legs right so um to me i'm like old school but i think this old school label value is still extremely important today and I do a lot of things here at Tank Crimes that are revolved around this. And it's something that gets missed with a lot of newer labels and bands looking for labels don't realize that they should be looking for this. It's also one of the most difficult tasks to achieve. And it took me a decade 
and I got burned a lot and lost five figures in the process. Okay. So what am I talking about? Distribution. Okay. Stores are coming back. Stores were open. Stores killed it on Discogs and, and bought and sold tons of our records through the pandemic. And, uh, by really stepping up their mail order game and letting people in, you know, three at a time with masks and gloves and all that stuff. But, you know, more and more stores are opening up. And I think it's super, super important to strive to have worldwide distribution as a label. Yeah. Getting your record into stores is very important. If you have a band on your label that tours, chances are, that they stop at a lot of record stores. There's a lot of free time during the day when you're on tour. And when I'm not picking up, when I'm not looking up where the best uh, vegan junk food is in town, I'm looking up where's the record store. I wanna stop by, I wanna say hello. I wanna check out stuff. And really a lot of tours are a bunch of guys going to a bunch of different record stores every day. So, and what happens is what's, what, what really upsets bands, which isn't really fair to the label entirely, but man, when a band is on tour and they're hitting the fifth or sixth record store in a row that does not have their brand new record in stock, you start getting some animosity there. And, and maybe rightfully so, but, but not, and maybe it's misdirected a little bit. So striving for distribution, I think is a really important part of, of stepping up the, your label. And when you're looking for a label, that's something that you need to look for. Where do these records go? Um, how available are they worldwide, right? So what was my other point? Was Real me in, Maddie. Real me in real Okay, so, so distribution is a big part of it. But I also think people think that a label is going to blow them up right and get them on well, tour or get them talk about that well here's my the two things that i wanted to touch on so we'll get back to distribution once i get my head about me but i know that's a much more boring part than this next point um you're looking for a label that's a tastemaker and that doesn't mean that they're like steering the ship of popular culture it just means that they have a small rabid following that's super interested in whatever they're doing next. This is what's gonna give you a leg up. Now, I see band, I don't see them. I hear from bands who hit me up and they want a label. And I explain to them that that's not how my label works, but that there's plenty of labels who openly are, are searching for submissions, right? Sure. But I think a lot of bands are so hot to get on a label, right? They, and I get that feeling that it's some sort of validation or whatever that you're on a label. But if you're like on the, uh, in, online, like almost begging people to, to put out your shit, and, and let's be real, a lot, of, a lot of new labels that are going to work with a brand new band that doesn't have a lot of recording or touring history, which is a lot of new bands right now because we haven't had shows for 15 months, right? So you could, you could have an EP or an album's worth of shit ready and you haven't really got out there and done anything. So let's be real, what kind of labels are, are gonna jump at this? A, a label with, that doesn't have much tastemaker status or much or any distribution at all. And 
I want to like choose my words carefully here because I want to encourage as many labels to start as possible. I, we need more labels. Like as labels grow, someone needs to come in them underneath because just like there's status levels of bands, like in the lineup or on that, there's status level of labels, of course. And a lot of bands as they go through their career, hopefully without burning any bridges along the way, will move from smaller to larger label. But if you're out like begging people to put out your record on or, or your tape on, in, in, on Instagram and shit, I think that it is a poor move to give away or beg someone to release your recording so you can get like 50 free tapes. That's what I'm boiling down to. Like a lot of people want to work all season long, practice their ass off, spend money on a practice space, gear, recording, all this stuff, just to have somebody else with a freaking band camp page to give them free 50 tapes so they feel like they're this validation of being on a label. Sure. So I just, I guess that's my whole warning. And so if you're really looking for that, I want bands to think about if the label's a tastemaker and has some sort of influence in your scene, no matter how micro or macro of a scene it is. And if that label is going to distribute your record or are they just going to make it available on the exact same website that you already have access to on a page, Bandcamp, right? So one more thing I wanna add while I'm talking about bands jumping or being aggressively looking for a, for a small startup label to help them. And now, like I said, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I think a lot of great relationships could spawn from a brand new band and a brand new label, right? Yeah. But be aware that like giving away your digital or something like that in perpetuity to a label that gives you 50 cassettes, like you're not doing yourself any favors. You're doing yourself a disservice. And I've struggled with this as a much as a, a medium sized label where I'm going back. I've gone back and looked at some of the digital deals with my bands and actually been like, why do I get to collect money on this in perpetuity when I'm not working this anymore? Like there's something's got to give. And a lot of times when you sign to a label, there's a five-year or a 10-year or a 15-year or a 25-year period of when they have that music. But I think a lot of internet handshake deals, no one really discusses it. They just, it just kind of happens. And maybe it's taboo to go back and ask about money or I don't know, but. Yeah, and this is just the point I want to make just quickly is like. Please small internet labels so like tank crimes has a method has a has some software i'm assuming that automatically handles digital rights payouts right with your distributor or whatever uh i don't i actually i actually could but i'm old school and i fucking get out my yellow legal pad and i type in i mean i do have a back end where i can look it up but i don't yeah. have my shit automatically split it up for everybody or, you what know. i'm saying is like a lot of small labels 
don't have the capability to actually like, you know, they're, it's not their job. So they don't yeah. sit down every month and go like, okay, like how much do I pay this guy? Okay. I pay him this much. Right. Like most small labels don't do that. So like, you're not like, you won't get meaningful payouts from that. Yeah. But um, also truth be told, if you don't have like 5,000 monthly listeners on Spotify consistently, no one owes you shit really. That's the other thing yeah. too, because there's the, there's the reverse side where the label with 150 monthly listeners is wondering where their check is. And that's not yeah. really a thing either. So that's kind okay. of educating both but, sides there. But, but okay, but, but just, I just want to circle back on this. I just want to circle back on this, okay? The thing that bands always say is like, oh, I want a label to blow us up. Yeah. I have blown people up as a label. You know, most notably maybe, or most recently rather, Capra, right? Um, when people ask about, you know, we need a label who can blow us up. How do you reply? I mean, I don't even know where to start with that because I wouldn't, I, I mean, I, I couldn't, you can't blow up a band that has that just from nothing, right? So yeah. it's, it's a partnership. So the label doesn't blow you up, but the teammate of the team of the label, if it's the right fit and you've got the right people working, that, that can move you ahead. But a band really blowing up really depends on a song, not a, a not an Instagram page, right? I mean, I don't care who's working your record. I don't, you know, like you might have to go back to the drawing board there. I would broadly speaking agree. Um, I also think though that like, here's the thing. It's like when you're, you know, when people talk about oh, we want a label to blow us up, you know, realize depending on the label, they may or may not have the relationships you're looking for to quote unquote, blow you up. You know, um, I don't think that, <clears throat> you know, and like, I think like, so you've never had someone come to you and be like, hey, can you blow us up like you blew up Necrot? Yeah, but I mean, that's not somebody I'm going to work with, uh, you know, if I yeah. have a band, I'm working with a label and they go, let's do a. Can we work on an aggressive long term campaign similar to what you did with Necrot? I mean, that's kind of the bar I set for myself in any in any band that work that works with us moving forward. Right. So I so I have. But I mean, here there's there's another side of this, too. Like, I mean, I've. I've like um, called in some super favors for bands before yeah. that, that kind of backfired. Let me give you an example. Yeah, hundred percent. I had a, I had a band that was a really strong basement band, right? They were rocking every backyard party, putting out self-releasing, you know, five song cassettes every six months rocking the DIY shows, all this stuff. We partner up and I right away put a ton of energy into getting them onto larger shows. And I don't, not just club shows, like I got them on a show with Danzig. I got them on some shows with I Hate God, I think. Just really like a huge step out of the basement, right? Sure. Even for the most popular band in the basement. And... <laughs> What happened was they weren't ready for the stage at the Warfield, right? It's way different than the basement. It's so different. 
they weren't ready for it. Okay. And the audience there that like an audience that is not like bring some PBR to the basement show an audience that is like, I pre-ordered my $35 tickets for the concert six months ago, see that band. And we're like utterly unimpressed. Right. And this is a series of shows. I'll just use that biggest one as a good example. So not really fall to the band. They had no, that was, they're just got kind of, tossed into that larger arena right like literally and then there was it was a double-edged sword right because now we've taken them out of their comfort zone and that caliber of fan i don't know if caliber is the right word but that type of of fan a concert person not a show person was pretty unimpressed and at the same time there was backlash in the fucking scene they came from. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's shit talk among their like bands that were their comrades three months earlier. Because, I mean, for a million reasons, negative reasons we can go into about how bands don't always support each other, you know? And now this band was left in this limbo where of course, a lot of their old fans came along for the ride, but they weren't ready for the much wider metal audience. And at the same time had somehow, not somehow, very directly alienated a bunch of fans from the scene they came from who thought that was poser, sellout, like a bootlicking bullshit or something, you know? I mean, whatever goes back to my theory how when you when you every time you double your fan base you'll lose 10 percent off the back end some yeah. people just don't want to be a fan of a band that has too many fans right it's just a part of it's a part of fandom you know it's a different type of person so why did i oh that's what when a band asked to be blown up and frankly this band did not ask me to blow them up i just used all my resources because that's what I do right I'm a record label but yeah. I was learning lessons there I mean I just I just spelled them out for you just because someone can do something for you that appears to be this big launching pad that can be dubious as well even with the best of intentions on on everyone's side so that is actually the story I would tell if someone said can you blow us up I guess I would reply, are you fucking ready? And what makes you think you're ready? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I wanted to, what I was saying is that I didn't want this to come off as like a shit talk on, on small labels because we need them. And I want to give a tiny story to explain how this like pyramid, oh, I guess it's not a pyramid because it's not a scam or whatever, but how like this, this stairwell up, you know, goes and just to be fun you know like i don't know like i always say that tank crimes is a small label and, and in the big picture we really are but i know that to a lot of bands and other labels and stuff they they don't think i'm a small label maybe i'm downplaying it a little bit i mean it is it is by it is my livelihood you know um when i met brian slagle the owner of metal blade um, he was very nice. First of all, I've only found camaraderie around among other label owners. And I've tried to share that with, with every label I've ever met. And, um, 
but what Brian Slagle said to me, and I had already been a label for like 13 years and, and had billboard charting albums. He said to me, which I took zero offense to, oh, we need new small labels like tank crimes to keep the scene alive. And half of me's going, motherfucker, I've been doing this for 20 years. But then the other half of me is going, wow, I've really achieved something if this guy who basically fucking started DIY metal record labels when I was a fucking zygote um, has recognized what I've done and has given me encouragement. And so I feel like that's what I want to pass on to a smaller label, a not a not a slight that like you're you're just getting started but the truth that you're just getting started and thank you we need you please help boost up some bands to the next level and then the next level of labels will boost them up and then of course what i'm trying to do is to be the final level right to have to work with bands uh, very closely and a small amount of bands so I can handle it myself, but do the job a larger label can do and show the band you don't have to keep looking for what's the next step past me while also being honest with myself and knowing that if that happens, that I will always support the band's career and that might be what they need to do. Yeah. Well, you know, um, sometimes bands graduate, you know, I, so, okay, but I just want to circle back on this, right? Cause there's, there's this idea Please. that like, oh, we're going to get on a big label and they're going to put us on tour, right? Like the label does. So for a couple things here. Okay. One labels only help bands who want to be helped. There are bands I have signed who like think it's all like, think that like now that they're signed, I'm just going to like roll out the red carpet and get them on. I don't know, get them on heavy talent booking or get them on nano tier, get them on one of the other agencies who I've been working with for years, like one of the homie agencies, right? Yeah. And and they think they're like, oh, well, if we sign to this, if we sign to Ripple, like Matt seems to know Nate Carson real well, so he could probably put us on tour with Yav. And it's like, no, because I want to help. Like the reason I went balls out for Capra and pulled a million favors for them is because they were working their face off. And so it was like, okay, cool. We can pull out all the stops because like they're not going to make me look bad the way you looked bad when, you know, like there was a bunch of blowback when your guys weren't able to live up to the level they needed to live up to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is the thing is, you know, like the bands who just like are on a label and are just like, hey, can you like get us an agent? We haven't actually ever done anything. Like, I don't want to help them. But the bands where it's like, oh shit, these guys, you know, help those who help themselves. That yeah, well, I of... think that you should look at, so let's take it to, okay, we're, we are ready to sign to, to a medium-sized label that has the resources that could help us out, right? You have to look, of course, that signing is a victory in your career, right? You are moving forward, but it's really the next starting line. Yeah, not this is also the finish. If, if it's a finish line, there's a new starting line happening, right? Because no one in extreme metal or punk just wants to have you hand them a master tape and do all the work for you. Nor will that really work that well because it's another thing. Like 
you have to be really, really good, which of I want every band to be really good and everyone to be really practiced. But what I'm getting at is it's much more difficult to, um, to win over a 1500 person crowd at a live show that has zero familiarity with you at all. That is extremely difficult. You might be better off throwing a couple covers in there, right? If you if you're playing yeah. in front of a thousand plus people who have no fucking idea who you are, you're only there because somebody pulled a favor for you, or you or you earned your own favor. You know, either way. The i if you can put in some work and and now three hundred of the one thousand people have heard of you, you're already in a way better spot. And you're going to need to have put in that work to do that. Another thing is that um, getting out and working your band, just going out and playing shows, um, as opposed to just like uh, sending out demos and stuff, is you are going to become a better band from playing more shows. And we've seen this before, and this is a tale as old as bands and recordings and stuff like that bands that are so hot to get a recording out and even self-release and go on tour and come home from that tour a way better band that's just ready to ditch that whole thing a great example is one of my favorite bands and a band that i got maddie into is the bouncing souls the bouncing souls self-released an ep and did like a 50-day tour on it and came home and like kind of found their sound on that tour right they did it too rehearsing during sound checks, writing in the van, all that free time, the whole band together 24 seven for an entire summer. They came home and had found their sound, the sound that made them into a huge band. Now they didn't start with that. And then they have like a joke. They even like reissued that seven inch like five years ago as like the 25 year anniversary. And the whole joke was like, don't buy this record. We hate it. We're reissuing it because A, we're having an anniversary and B, we're sick of people spending like a hundred dollars on it because it's rare, because it sucks, right? So take that to just any band that started over the pandemic and is really like busted out an EP and got some practices and stuff like that. If they're able to get out and play even 15 shows before the end of the year, they're going to be a better band, better suited to hit the studio, better suited to put out a better EP. Now, here's another reason why I think self-releasing would have just been fine for all those bands, because I think a lot of bands get this notion that once something's put down on tape, that's the that's it, right? It's done. It's released. If you self-release an EP and go on tour and meet a bunch of friends and get a little buzz and find a label, nothing, nothing, nothing is stopping you from re-recording those songs a little bit faster, a little bit tighter, a little bit more, your new, a, a new tone you found, a new, you know, the way things like, dr like drummers. Yeah, people and get really, people get really solos. precious about that stuff. Those and things like, get better. Like find a band that plays, that every guy plays the song the same as the album 20 years later. You'll notice when you go see bands on tour, you know, like a song they wrote, I'm talking about like legacy bands, a song they wrote 
20 years ago, even if it's their biggest hit, even if they're closing with it every night, they're probably playing it a little bit faster. The guitar players may be updated, the solo, uh, the singer might have, you know, added, changed the cadence in some places for something that works better live, which is another reason why you want to test songs out on the road. Um, there's a lot of reasons, but nothing says you can't go back and re-record it. Or this happens all the time. You simply self-release or even release on a small label. And then a larger label just wants to re-release that to help get you momentum in there with 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 the people that follow them while you're working on the next record for that label yeah yeah absolutely so maddie what do labels do my point today was that they get you distribution it's really it's really important startup labels distribution is the hardest thing i was ripped off by choke distribution just was in Chicago. They, I was really excited when I got hooked up with them. They didn't even tell me they were going out of business and they put my records on the curb. And because I didn't even know, I couldn't even send a friend in Chicago to go get them for me. They were just gone. That was a thousand dollars. Not that big of a thing now, but at the time, a thousand dollars almost wiped me out. I was part of the uh, independent label collective debacle, which fell out of the more damn debacle, which fell out of the lumberjam debacle. You can look all the Google, all these words. If you have no idea what I'm talking about distribution from the nineties to 2021 has, has risen, has crumbled, has reformed all these things. And, uh, it took me a really long time to get where I'm at, where you can find my records in stores. When my bands go on tour, they, I, I feel confident that when they stop at record labels, they're going to, they're going to see their records. And that, that makes me go. feel really good. There you go. Um, and then hype and buzz. And so are, is the label a tastemaker in, in this really comes down to, and this is back to where, you know, we push social media a lot. That's how a label becomes a tastemaker. You got to know how to work social media or you're not, you're not. And sometimes, and I do this all the time, Sometimes with the label, you have to just be the social media for the band. That's also yeah. a position that I take if you, if you need to get it all down. So I think those two things are really important and I hope some people got some game and I'm always happy to answer more questions about this stuff because nothing makes me more happy than seeing, um, even more so than seeing young bands succeed I, I, because, because it's really you know my area um, I can't wait to see some of the labels that have popped up in the next few years, in the last couple years uh, that, you know, that I've had an eye on or maybe bought a tape or a seven inch from. I can't wait until they're doing albums for bands that are going on world tours. I, nothing would make me happier. There you go. And then the other thing that label guys, we always say to each other, and this is one of the reasons I think label guys and, and gals all get along really well all of our friends play in bands. None of our friends own record labels. So if we can find each other, it's over. Get out of our way. We want to talk about taste making and distribution and all these boring things I just filled this podcast with. Pretty much. This has been the Noise Direction Podcast. We'll catch you in a week. Peace! God damn it, it's not letting me stop. <laughs> no, because like fucking...
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.